Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you experience with your third eye. And as always, I'm R. Neville Johnston. And uh, today in the Mayan is 13 Kawak. That's the long count, uh, the day of the storm. In fact, the magnetic gate of the storm. And apparently the weather patterns, even in the last few days here in Northern Virginia, have been um, thoroughly bizarre. It can be uh, bright sunlight thundering. Um, as we said, uh, 13 Kowak explains it pretty well. So uh, tonight's show is going to be on uh, the hidden language codes and in fact the language codes in general. Uh, you're welcome to call in at any time with questions about this. <coughs> and <coughs> this is to understand the language as a, a filter between the actual experiencing of it and your ability to recognize the being of it that's around you. Uh, if we have five fingers to work with, so uh, this experience works. So five fingers. So say the pinky represents the actual experience, the pinky, the actual experience. The next thing you do is write it to memory. You write it to memory in words. Once you've written it to memory, it is no longer the experience. It is your memory of the experience, and you can see the disconnect there right away. And I double back on this in a few moments, but away we go. And the basis of this is in the Language Codes book, and this was followed by 11 Self-Empowerment Protocols, the next book in the series that I'm authoring. Now, the Protocols book is excited about the idea of each of us taking on enough knowledge to no longer require quite so much counseling uh, in that uh, the basic premise is that if you look outside of you for the answer, you are not as likely to find it as you would be by looking inside of yourself for the answer. And I'm very good at looking inside of me, and I would have to describe myself as a functional mute uh, in that I will say, I will speak, but not normally, not uh, I'm not that talkative, although since you've ever known me, I've been talking rather constantly here on the show, but nonetheless. Okay, so the language codes. So we have the experience, we've written it to memory, and this results in knowledge or information or the translating the experience further into patterning. Now, here's where, here's an interesting idea. The object, the function of the brain is to predict the future based on the past. Right then and there, the entire premise falls apart because the future is not the past. Now, I admit there are some very you know, machine-like repetitions that go on, but we're not machines. Um, so the future, the future is a very interesting subject. The future is as brilliant as your imagination and is as limited as your doubts. Voila. Okay. Now this brings us to the subject of decisions. Decisions. Now, you say, well, all right, I've, I've had this great uh, psychic uh, knowledge that such and such is true. There is um, uh, the book that I'm looking for is in the library, whatever it is we say. Okay, that, okay. Now, even though I'm not going to invalidate the idea that it was indeed a psychic perception going beyond 
3D into realms of unconscious or superconscious or alternate, alternate dimensional consciousness. Nonetheless, the book is in the library, is a decision that you've made. Okay. Now, as we said, the, the, the brain seems to have been charged with the idea of predicting the future based on the past, which is not really the sharpest knife in the drawer, the sharpest pencil in the can. <laughs> it's in fact one taco short of a combination platter. Its elevator doesn't go to the penthouse. There's a lot of expressions like that, but this is not quite the brightest thing we can do. What's brighter by far then is the idea of using our feelings rather than our thoughts. And the uh, prima facie truth of that, what is that again? Oh yes, if you walk into a group of people and you say, I think this concept, everybody just looks at you and then looks away because you haven't gotten any gain with these people. Whereas if you walk in and say, I feel that this concept and then you have all attention and people believe you. So we are prone to trust emotions and prone to discount thought. Does that make sense? Because that's the way it works. So then the idea of actually getting it to manifest is where our thoughts and our feelings, let me use passion, our thoughts and our passion come together uh, manifest. Yes? That's the way that works. Superstitious word luck is the only thing we've had to kind of get that to flow. But um, the actual seeing of it in other dimensions, where the passions which make a certain waveform and the thoughts make a certain waveform, and where the two of them cross is a point where manifestation occurs drops into third dimension out of other dimensions. All that makes sense? Good, call in. I'll wait. Oh, okay. So back, go ahead, call in. Uh, back to, so we've got the event, writing it to memory, resulting in information or knowledge, which results in wisdom. Wisdom is where you've collated enough knowledge to start to put together bigger patterns. The fifth element in this, that was a good movie, wasn't it? Okay, the fifth element in this, in this case we're using the thumb, is called evolution. Once you have amassed enough wisdom, you actually evolve. Now, to get that much mass, to get that much play into your field, into your life, into your path, is to get a, uh, uh, what's the word for the adaptation. The, uh, Evolution and adaptation are synonyms. Remember how seven of nine always used to say you will adapt? What she meant was you will evolve. Same thing, basically, but you see the difference and why we would differentiate it in, uh, in the idea of the language we speak. The language is an interesting phenomenon in and of itself. Once you have named something, you are no longer directly experiencing it. So then the idea would be to sit quietly and say we have a pet or something, sit quietly and um, become the pet, become looking through the pet's senses, feeling through the pet's senses, and then you can 
the world opens at that point, much bigger than we would have it otherwise to understand. But it's not just a pet, let's say it's a wall. So you think of the wall and you are the wall. You can understand the wall in a very different way than you could have by simply chirping the word wall. Okay, so the idea of um, becoming more aware of the language and how it works. The, when I talk to people about the book, I say that uh, the language code series is about understanding the unconscious triggers that there are in the language, and that is to say triggers that make you go unconscious, and they do. So I'll give you a very, very simple language code, and it's the word should. The word should is guilt manipulation. Okay, now, want to see how it works? You should know that. So now you've been made guilty for absolutely nothing. And once you're guilty, you are asleep. And once you are asleep, you are easily manipulated. And so our language is full of um, unholy, a holy, an extremely large number of words that whose intent is to put you to sleep. And under certain circumstances, different words work differently. Um, but to put you to sleep, 100% of the time, uh, the word should is going to put you to sleep. What's ironic about the word should, if someone says to me the word should, I will either call them on the word and pitch them a book. Here, you're not understanding. <laughs> you get a hold of this book and understand what's going on here. Or I will walk away because, first of all, when you, when you use the word should, I know that you have a hidden agenda. And the third possibility is that I'll pretend to fall asleep to see what you're really up to. But I have to be honest, to date, nothing has interested me that much that I would pretend to fall asleep to see what's going on. Because as soon as should and the circumstances of the word should have been aired in my presence, I really know what's going on. Someone's attempting to manipulate me through guilt. That's boring. It's very boring. Now, here's, here's the, the deeper nugget of that. It's when you use should on yourself. I am my age, I should. Boy, <laughs> you've got to get a hold of yourself. You don't trust yourself enough to believe that you could? You, you beat yourself? You beat yourself with the word should. Good Lord. I'm not here on a soapbox. I'm, it's my, awake. It's my intention to do my part towards getting us to be an ascended planet. And that will occur to a large degree when we speak a language that's significantly different from the one that we speak. As I was pointing out a few minutes ago, we have no idea the number of decisions that we make in any given day. And further, we have, we have these disguises around decisions to keep us from facing the idea that we're deciding something, as though using power is embarrassing or detrimental to our well-being. The idea of using our power to create our reality. 
The future is, said it a moment ago, the future is as bright as your imagination or as dim as your doubts. <clears throat> Do please decide on a brilliant, wonderful, exciting, dynamic, magnificent, noble, astounding, very rare to use that word, me anyhow, astounding, and of course our favorite, Bill Murray's, uh, what is that word again? Dun, 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 dun. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes, we describe hamburgers with the word awesome. Good Lord. That's the <laughs> and that's um, uh, Louis C.K. saying, how could, you how could you describe something like the coming of Christ? Awesome. It inspires awe. And a hamburger. <laughs> yeah, it's still funny. All right, so the book is uh, full of um, many thoughts about our language and how to um, create a better life through changing the language that we think and speak in. Uh, I use the word need as a teaching tool only. Uh, if someone says need, then they command the quantum field to separate that from them. That makes sense? Well, yes, every time somebody says the word need, they separate themselves from whatever it is. Every time the word need comes out of the mouth, the quantum field is alerted to move that to an inaccessible place. And we're doing this with our minds, with, our, with the way we're taught to think. We are a needy, 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 needy people. But we don't have to be. We can, in fact, be brilliant and inspired and, and full of dynamic energy, ready to create magnificence. Wait, I need to think about that. You got that, right? Okay. All right. Now, so the book states, please set up flags on certain words. And when they come out of your mouth, you have the grand permission, of, you have on your own the authority to simply cancel. We cancel. We just stop it because we're in charge of it. This is our reality. We're creating it. People feel that reality is solid and we're some kind of vapor. <laughs> That's really funny. You've got to go with me on that one. It is reality that is constantly retransfiguring itself and us who are the solid. We are the ones in charge of reality. Reality is entirely subject to the way in which you think of it. So if we Let's do an easier one, if, easier than that. Thank you. If we describe the weak from H-E double hockey sticks, yes, okay. Now, supposing we said instead of the weak from H-E double hockey sticks, we say that weak was very stimulating. Okay, 
Now you see how the reality of that week transfigures itself right in front of you. Do you see that? I'm asking you. You see how how you think of it changes it? And there's no border to the future. We've said on this show a thousand times now, substitute the word future for the word trust. I'll repeat it for the third time on this show. The future is as bright as your imagination, or it is as dim as your doubts. And you make that choice. Did you know you make the choice? We have the choice. You want to take a word uh, choice away from you? Okay, use the word if. If this happens, well, since you're the one creating it, why would you pitch a wrench like that into the process? If takes away a decision. Now you know what I mean until I say, if you know what I mean. Did you see that, that delicate matrix we just built collapse? This is how powerful the words we think in are. Okay, so uh, the experience and the languaging of the experience, very different. Once you interpret something by placing words between you and it, you are no longer experiencing it. You are dancing with the words that created it, that, that pardon me, uh, the, the words that depicted it but that was not it. It wasn't that. It's the experience. So in the indigenous worlds, many worlds on our planet are indigenous. Miracle is the way of life. Yes, it is. The miracle is the way of life. And it's not spoken of, oh, what a miracle. It's spoken of, yeah, okay, and? Because in our culture, the miracle is separated by the word miracle. You see the way this, yeah, language codes, language codes. There they are, language codes. Okay, so the idea of being in command of your life. So here's a favorite we play. It's the word control. The minute you use the word control, you are automatically not in control. The minute you use the word command, you can never, ever, ever, ever not be in command. You cannot not be in command. Uh, I've used for so many years the illustration of, well, the car was in an accident and it's rolling, yet I am in command. I walk away from this without a scratch, and that's what happens. But when we, and but takes back what went before it, I'm in no way taking back the idea that you're in command, okay? Also, that reminds me of the, the, an amusing story of the, you know, the one survivor of the airplane crash, and he's covered in smoke and bandages and, you know, climbs out of the thing and goes, wow, let's do that again. Because he never lost command. As the plane was going down, he was saying, wow, this is, boy, you cannot pay for entertainment like this. 
This is a, I was shot to death. Maybe you don't know that story. We can tell that story another time. But it's an interesting concept. So you're in command, period. When somebody else is driving, are you no longer in command? Well, no, you're still in command. You're still in command. Uh, so the book is full of words that have other meanings we don't understand. Um, criticism. Um, the ego turns criticism into a poison, but if you don't factor ego into the criticism, then it is possible for you to understand the criticism as information. Doesn't mean you have to take the suggestion, just means that you don't have to be uh, taken offline by it. Uh, anyone that insults you has told you what they don't like about themselves, but think you're it. So we'll do that one then. Okay, so um, homeless, let's say, since they don't have a very strong lobby and I'm not likely to get emails, let's say that we don't care for the homeless person. Okay, and the true reason for that is that we realize that we could deal the cards in such a way that we would become homeless. Okay. So then the homeless person represents an unconscious threat to us. But none of that is true. We had, um, in the days where I wore a cummerbund, a Hawaiian shirt, and a nice jacket, because I really liked the look, and I felt very comfortable in it. Someone called in and said, oh, how totally gay. And I said, why are you telling the audience? Uh, was it your marriage or your prom that was strictly from H-E double hockey sticks? And on top of that, why are you telling the audience that your father never overtly approved of you? because that's what was going on there. It didn't have anything to do with what I was wearing. And the person revealed all this information. Now, um, we teach on the show so very often. Uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention that Mary, when she does her um, um, psychic development series, uh, which I believe she's engaged in, um, not at this moment, but uh, in the cycle of this week, there's a psychic development class that's available. Uh, she uses bibliomancy. She asks people to open to a particular word to find out what's going on uh, in that moment. Uh, so anyhow, thank you for using the book because it works very well. And it can be any word. It doesn't have to be a titled word in the book. So we understand. All right, now the word can't and the word won't <clears throat> are an interesting dynamic of words. If you state, I cannot, <clears throat> well, did you know that's a decision? I have a body of evidence indicating that that's not possible. I don't doubt that you do. Nonetheless, it remains a decision. Oh. Okay, so we're standing on the edge of the skyscraper. Ooh, that's quite a distance down there. Ooh, okay. Now, if you say you can't fly, then that building owns you. If you say you won't fly,
today, then the building doesn't own you. So if you use won't, in, where you would normally use can't, use the word won't, you will actually have power. But we're not prepared to actually have power. Yes, yes we are. It's time for us to become adults. It's time for us to live on an ascending planet in a civilization that creates itself in a much different way than the, uh, what is the word for that that's even remotely, um, obsolete systems we have working here where one, one, if we lived on an ascended planet, there wouldn't be Hollywood because everybody would be so much more interested in their own life than they would be finding out what Iron Man has been up to. We, it just wouldn't be interesting. Uh, if it was anything at all, we go, well, yes, well, we ought to build something like, let's make that into a reality. We can do that. Iron Man is not that far from what we can do technologically, not at all. But no, we just want to see somebody get beat up and then beat up the guy that beat him up. Clint Eastwood wore that one pretty thin, by the way, but still, as processes go. All right. So can't and won't, the word but takes back. By the way, when you're talking to someone and they say yes, but, I'll do first person. When I'm talking to someone and they say yes, but, I stop talking immediately. Why would that be? Because the person has said out loud, if you can interpret it, has said out loud, this is exactly the periphery of my belief system. And this is a slow fade into the crystal ball that's on the, hi there. <laughs> crystal ball that's on the waveform generator. A waveform generator came through in dreams around 97. They began to appear. And uh, I worked with a, a Hathor being to create uh, these things. And can you give me a long shot of the uh, waveform generator? And I'll just put that up. Start now. Uh, yeah, so a list, uh, for example, one of the many lists of words in our book is um, words that do not serve us well. Really? Yes, really. And here I am back again. Hi. Okay. By a long shot of the waveform generator, I mean, can you get, get me a uh, sign, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, one of the worm, words that do not serve us well is the word blame. The blame game made popular and first invented by, uh, I believe the term was first instated by uh, Douglas Adams. At least uh, he was the first person to coin blame thrower. Yes, in uh, whatever book that was. I think it was Thanks for All the Fish and See You Later or whatever that was. He left incarnation. There was so much more, but we're digressing. So blame is actually shame. Blame is assigning guilt. Blame is an extreme manipulation. As soon as you blame someone, and that person could realize that you're talking about yourself when you're blaming. You think you could realize that? You think when you blame someone, you're really not talking about? Ah, okay. 
Uh, burden, uh, the single idea of burden is guilt. If it's a burden, you feel guilty about it. Uh, guilt. Guilt's, um, guilt is anger that you don't feel you have the right to have, but it doesn't remain guilt very long. It turns into uh, self-flagellation very easily because you feel you, if you hurt yourself, you purify yourself. This is not the clearest thinking imaginable for a human being. That if you hurt yourself, you purify yourself. That's not really, what word would I use, sane, logical, <laughs> useful. Yeah, this is the language that we speak. Uh, and it's up to us, as soon as it changes, uh, it'll be because we changed it. Conformist, there's an interesting word. Can you name a conformist? Well, no, of course not. You cannot possibly name a conformist. Well, give it a shot, I'll wait. No, there's nothing for you to, the search engine will not find a conformist. Because there's nothing there. Okay, a nonconformist, Beethoven, Mozart. Yeah. I'd like to say Russell Brand, but that's every other talk show. Where were we? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Conformist, yeah. Be a nonconformist. If you do things, when I was brought up, the idea was whatever you were not good at, you worked on that. Okay. Now, if you do what you're not good at, the most you're going to get out of it is mediocre. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name is Barbara. Hey, Barbara. And, uh, how are you? Better and better. Good. I was wondering what your uh, language code explanation of the phrase, oh my God, which is so popular right now. OMG. Wait, I'll ask. Ah. One of the most charged words on this planet is I'll God. I'll take it off the air. Thank you. Oh, well, Barbara, thank you for calling. I truly appreciate it. God is actually a worthy subject, but you're not going to access that through the word God, because God is one of the most charged words on the planet Earth. Um, a countless number of people have died behind the word God. I'm not arguing with it. I believe that there is a universal intelligence um, uh, I believe in the divine mind because we have the earth mind and the divine mind are two very, very different things. And the whole point would be to access the divine mind. Now, um, everything is God. I just suppose I will resign myself to using the word. Uh, the Pleiadians use the word om, om, which means air, which is a very interesting concept. But the divine mind that's engineering all of this, and we are all little pieces of God. We are little sparks of God. And our particular lives are the uh, method by which we are finding our way back to this universal intelligence, God, Om. We are on our way back. And the experiences we elected to have on this path are the singularly most efficient method by which we can return to set ourselves to the next level. As our soul evolves past humanoid incarnation, we begin um, incarnating as 
Our Mother Earth is in, uh, the way we count it, we're in third dimension. The Mother Earth is a being who is a composite being who is occupying 67th dimension, changing to 68th. And the change occurs when we, we the human race, evolve to a higher echelon that will let our Mother Earth evolve to a higher degree. And, that's, and this is really what's going on, and I'm really behind everybody. I, I just would love to see us all just one relax. Ah. Okay. And there's nothing to worry about. Nothing. Nothing. Because, why would that be? Because it's going to work out. There is no such thing as safe because there is no such thing that is not safe. Or did I say that? Yeah, there's no such thing as safe because there's no such thing that's not safe. I grant you reincarnation may be involved, but no spirit has ever been decommissioned. You, you, may, you may trade it in for a new body. And believe me, the new models are fun. Uh, I think on our... Uh, that's, Okay, that's, that's a way, that's two hours right there. Okay. Yeah, so the idea of a universal intelligence guiding everything is fact. Oh, here's the waveform generator. Okay. Uh, let me just do this with it. There we go. Okay. Now, two coils, bottom coil, top coil. Okay. And uh, this is the crystal. Now... Uh, this is made of um, a particularly nice piece of copper that happens to be able to handle a lightning strike without melting down. Okay, so this can run a lot of juice. What we first want to understand is that copper loves, copper loves, everything loves, yes, and copper loves to move electrons, it's what it does. And when you arrange it in a coil, especially two coils that communicate with each other, uh, this is a caduceus, it's a closed circuit, okay. When the two communicate with each other, okay, they build up enough juice to jump the gap between the crystal point and the crystal ball, okay. And those with a particularly developed third eye, let me get it against something, oops, other against, okay. Uh, well, I can see it. Okay. There's a beam of light. Beam of light that's visible. It really is a third eye perception. When we do the opening of the third eye class, we ask people to perceive the uh, beam of particles that is emerging from the um, crystal point and filling the ball. The ball reaches mass and radiates out. So what you do with this beloved object is you write a program for it to act on. And then it uh, slightly lower on that if we want a close-up of the particle stream. Or, okay. Anyhow, um, this thing radiates the program out into the universe and then it 
everything is magnets in a certain way, everything is harmony. Uh, it magnifies the intent until it harmonizes, and then it comes into existence. We have um, uh, so many success stories with these things. Anyhow, call it a thought amplifier or waveform generator if you're happier with the words, whatever words you're happier with, uh, but this concept. Okay, Barbara, thank you very much. That was a very good question. Everything is God. You are God. Uh, I was uh, online in a supermarket one time, and these two guys were talking about uh, God, and I said, from what you're saying, you think you're the only thing in the universe that's not God. And they both looked at me, and then they were very, very quiet. And then you could feel a pitch of relief in them when they realized the strength in the concept. And we are each in our own universe. <laughs> Some of us, the universe isn't as accessible as others. Uh, but we can do all of that, the seven billion universes existing on our planet, uh, owing to the concept of linchpins. In other words, all of us agree that uh, the table's hard and the crystal's semi-transparent and blah and blah, and we all agree on these things. And so then those are linchpins, but you don't have to. All right, so we did a good job of the idea of, of the fact that the experience uh, is not the, uh, not the object. Uh, and naming something keeps you from experiencing it because you put that barrier between you and, your, you and the self by the uh, idea of the name of it. Denial. Denial is a lot of funny, a lot of fun. It's not just a river in Egypt. Denial is knowing divided by doubt. Denial is knowing divided by doubt. Don't be in denial about that. All that irresistible, I did it anyhow. So um, Kubla, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross stated uh, very famous um, Anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Okay, so anger, and that's a whole thing right there, but we'll get back to that probably. Um, denial, okay. So after the denial, then you want to strike a bargain, and then the bargain doesn't happen, so you become depressed. And then you accept it, and then whatever made you angry is healed. Follow? And the average human being can take years, years, most of a lifetime to get through those five stages. When all you have to do is accept. I accept it. Here, watch. I'll accept. Oh, hi. Where were we? Uh, oh, breath. Breath is a good one. Uh, the first language codes book put forth the idea of satisfaction breath. And um, satisfaction breath was uh, usurped by the cigarette companies because the idea of smoking a cigarette 
is actually satisfaction breath. Something's going on. Okay. Satisfaction breath is where you inhale fully. And then you let go of the pleasure sound. <sighs> and no matter what it is, it does not have a hold on you the way it did before you did that. It's an unbelievably powerful tool. All you have to do is remember to use it. Now it's out of the question then. No, no, that's my whole point. Flags, you set flags in your brain. When you start to become upset, you can set off, ah, okay. You can set off a, a flag that tells you to take a satisfaction breath. And now I've been painting, just came upon me again. I've been painting my whole life. And I just began painting uh, not so long ago in the calendar. And uh, this is one of the latest paintings. And uh, visible or not, this is a fish in a drop of water. I totally love this painting. Look at the way the water distorts the uh, checkered, uh, and that's the shadow floating in midair under the drop. Follow, there we go. See how the water distorts? I'm just amazed at this thing. I just love it. This is a rainbow tropical fish, I think, at any rate. But whatever fish it is, I think I... Uh, looked up fish, but then invented my own fish based on a fish, and the expression on the fish face. And um, a lot of the paintings I've been doing have been talking about possible futures, uh, but that idea, that's just a thing of beauty that, and it's any fish that lives in an aquarium, and um, which is a very kind of the fish, by the way. You want to love the fish in the aquarium because they've given up the life of swimming uh, and we're ready on the other? Okay. And so here's another painting. And uh, this is in the graffiti series. In other words, it's painting on a brick wall. So what I did on this was to, again, with the distortion of the bricks in the water, and I'm just amazed at uh, my own work. Oh, good, thank you. Yes, well, I love me. Okay. And uh, this is the uh, effect. So we could say that, uh, and you can see the, the shadow with the light caught in it, and the fact that the drop of water is nailed on a brick wall, which is just a whole lot of interesting as far as I'm concerned. And it's like uh, someone nailed a storm on a brick wall, which I thought was an interesting concept. And uh, these paintings just come through me. It's I watch a river form, and then um, however, much, however much time passes, suddenly there's the thing done in front of me, and my, my hands just stop. It's, it becomes a, it's another place to be. It's, uh, um, I've said for so long that uh, whatever it is we do, it comes through us. It's not us. It comes through us. So I might wake up with the idea of a painting, and then it's like some time later, there it is. And I remember doing the sketch, and I remember making the decision, and all of that, but it's, it's like a magic thing. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Linda. Linda, what can we do for you? Hi, I'm so glad you took my call. I, I would love to talk more about um, 
making the decision, and, and you've brought this up many, many times as I've watched your show, and I've tried to apply it, and, and my, my work has been around just being present and getting out of my head, and, and I've Very listened good. to you just say, just make the decision. Yes. And my, it feels like I last about three seconds in the decision, and then I'm back in my head, and I wondered if you could share a little bit more about that. Well, thanks, Lynn. That is a truly great question. We have a whole lot of things about it. First, a decision. I'll hang up and look. Oh, you face. don't? Okay, however you would like to do that. But uh, uh, decision is our power. We have no concept that we have power. And never mind that it would be so elementary as a decision. And once you decide it, the universe itself convenes it. It can convene things <clears throat> that simply are not within your worldview. You can swap this reality for very advanced reality simply by knowing that you can do it and then simply deciding that the reality you live in is far more advanced. It does work that way. Now, we as young beings, uh, probably newly in the body, come to an unknown situation, and you've seen this um, simplicity of belief uh, as the child receives life around it. And somewhere in there, we forget about the simplicity of belief and seem to buy into the complexity of dread. Okay, so at first, you simply know. And then, you doubt, and then you believe the doubt. And that's about three nanoseconds right there. The knowing, the doubt, and the belief in the doubt. But it doesn't have to be. It's just the way we've been trained. And I agree, the brain gets massively in the way. And it is only when the brain and the passion, or if we prefer emotions, work together that, that crossing of the two in other dimensions that drops things down into third dimension, but that's way too much brain, or an unnecessary amount of brain, uh, to simply know that uh, I decide on just a delightful evening, I decide on just a magnificent life, I am, um, so they're talking just a moment. So the, um, it's not about uh, the brain, the way we, we are being taught to hate our brain, which really isn't. Um, as I said earlier in the show, apparently the, uh, the brain has been assigned to predict the future based on the past. Well, that doesn't have to happen. The brain can be a remarkably enjoyable place always. And so to get the brain to be more enjoyable is uh, not necessarily to fight the brain, but to ally with it. And so a meditation would be the place at which, and I do this daily, at least twice a day, where I, I, I accept, I allow, I surrender, and then I go into the no thing, at least that's my name for it, or as Barbara might prefer, I talk with uh, the idea of God, I talk with the idea of Om. So I go into Om, and uh, it's very pleasant, and there's um, 
uh, it, it feels so unnatural not to have to do something. But then when it's okay to not have to do something, and that takes a long while, uh, at least with me so far, but I'm getting much better at it, to actually go there and you enter timelessness. I've uh, read an interesting graffiti. Uh, I think it was on uh, Tumblr uh, that said, uh, time does not exist, clocks exist. Okay. All right, so the idea of accepting the idea that you do not have to think. Uh, when Eckhart Tolle was making all these points, uh, the pain body and the, the grand uh, piece of the advanced consciousness that he is bringing to us, um, that when you enter the now, when you enter the moment, um, he was stating that eternity is now. The, the lack of measurement of time is very much part. Uh, in the book, I was saying there's a, no such thing as late. How is it possible to be late? You point a um, telescope where Mars is supposed to be, but Mars is not there. You do not say Mars is late. You might say there's something about Mars I don't quite get, but you don't say late. And, and you don't say early either. But why do we do that to each other? It's not possible to be late or early. There is no such thing as time. There just is. Technique of advanced thinking, technique of advanced planets. We could talk for the entire hour on the subject of the difference between our planet and advanced planets. Uh, perhaps another hour, since we're working on the language that we speak and think in. And somewhere in there, there was a thread you had, oh, yeah, about getting out of the brain. Uh, there, I was uh, sitting at, um, uh, I think, in a park. I don't really remember. But this person walks up to me and says, he says this out of the blue. He's got two kids in a stroller. And, and he just walks up to me and he goes, you know, if you can stop thinking for one whole minute, the rest of your life will be completely different. Okay. Now, 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 how will I know it's one minute? Because the rest of your life will be different. Thank you. But the rest of my life is always different. All right, all right. Now I'm going for it, though. The idea that you can um, do zero sum that you can get the brain to shut down. If you had an electric drill, you wouldn't have it on 24-7. You'd shut it off every once in a while. And it's the same thing with your brain. How do I shut my brain off? OK, uh, you accept, and you allow, and you surrender, and you just float. You, I prefer this with eyes closed, because there's too much stimulus coming through the eyes. I would prefer quiet, and I'm working on doing it. But I don't do this driving. Do not shut your brain off while you're driving. Of course, you would go right through the car in front of you, which would just confuse everyone. And then the minute you realized it happened, all the damage would occur. But nonetheless, OK, so you just allow yourself to be without having to do anything. And that is a very base form of meditation. And you can get to that. Uh, oh, hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name is Stephanie. 
Stephanie, what can we do for you? Hi, Neville. I just wanted to tell you that my mom turned me on to your show, and we oh. watch every week. We just love you and Mary. Well, thank my, you. My question tonight has to do with um, what is the language code behind somebody who you love or who loves you in return calling you a liar? And um, I think I'll take my answer off the phone. Well, thank you. It's, thank you. This is a lovely question. I'm very glad you brought this uh, up. Uh, the person is fearful. That's what that means. Okay, and see, the lie is based on the concept of certainty, and certainty is the language code that is not. In other words, no matter how certain you are, there may be more information. So we really cannot use certain, and then we really cannot use lie. So this person felt hurt and manipulated. Now, as soon as you look outside of yourself for the answer, you're well advised to look inside of you. So they had some expectation of you that was not fulfilled. More than likely, they didn't state the expectation, and so their disappointment, and therefore hurt, and therefore using the L word, the other L word. <laughs> That's very funny, but not right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, the, uh, so what you do is, you know, I love you, I'm so sorry this is interpreted, mm, no sorrow involved, that it was interpreted this way. Uh, Miss Nomer, if you don't wish to trust me, then you're telling me you don't trust you. And, um, you know, it, it all just fits right back into that fold. Uh, on the advanced planets, the concept of love is uh, where everybody um, loves themselves and then everybody loves everybody else and there's never any reason to uh, make a false statement, why would you? Because it just it results in the complexities that are thoroughly unnecessary. The complexities take up brain space. Um, one of the entries in the book is psychotic break, and psychotic break occurs when you have completely and totally run out of brain space. You don't have a single synapse yet to fire, so you have to go offline and reboot, which looks like yelling and screaming, but nonetheless, it is just the person rebooting. Then the, the, you know they've come back up online because the first thing they do is apologize in a normal psychotic break, at any rate, rather than the abnormal psychotic breaks. But nonetheless, this is the basic premise we're talking about. So um, if you're a regular fan of the show, this is uh, something that will help a good deal, uh, because understanding the language that we speak is, is quite necessary. Uh, we're, we're planning the journey to the Serpent Mound. Uh, give Mary an email at telepathictv. Uh, at yahoo.com. Uh, if you're interested in coming, we still have uh, available space. And uh, as I said, Mary is doing a psychic development series. Uh, I'm uh, lately taking people between the worlds, the place where your soul came from, to have the Earth incarnation, to go back up there. So when you see what's up there, it's very easy to understand what's down here. Join us at Ruby Roll the R, Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax, Fairfax Circle. Uh, if you're out and about and would like to join us, and this has to be a Thursday night rather than a rerun, and uh, I'm told the countdown is about to begin and the mics will go down, so I'll continue chattering 
fiercely while the microphones uh, apparently don't go down. So uh, also uh, the uh, 11 self-empowerment protocols to get you to see a different you. Bye for now. Thank you.